This week, we take a look at what's going on with the various accelerators that have been in action this year. Plus, we catch up on some other news in the realm of innovation and investment. Hi, I'm Karen Unland. And I'm Faiza Ramji, and this is Bloom, the podcast about innovation in Edmonton. Hi, Faiza. How are you doing as this year barrels to a close? You know, I um, I feel similar to what it seems like a lot of people feel, which is that mentally we're all ready for it to be the end of December where we're kind yeah. of just relaxing. But at the same time, it feels like September in that things are super, <laughs> like a lot of new conversations are starting and new things are starting. I'm, I'm trying something where I don't want to say I'm busy. Uh, someone, on, someone I was speaking with last week said that that is explained it as like a lazy way of answering a question is saying mm-hmm. things very busy. So I'm trying not to say that, but it feels like a lot of new conversations are starting that are giving me September energy, not oh. December energy, you know? Interesting. I mean, yeah. that sounds good, except for the exhaustion part. Yeah, it is good. Um, it is good. You know, it's better than the opposite. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, thank you for making time to chat about innovation with everything else that's going on in your in your September frame of mind. Uh, we're just going to talk about some stories this week. And one of the ones that I wanted to talk about was uh, the latest on Plug and Play Alberta. So this is one of the many accelerators that emerged from uh, the Alberta Scale Up and Growth Accelerator Program. And it, it wrapped up its second batch on November 29th and 30th in Banff. They took advantage of the setting there and actually had the startups pitch in the gondola. So it was like a literal elevator pitch for some of them yeah so that was kind of cool one of the things that i don't think i fully appreciated when all of these accelerators kind of came on stream at once is how different they are in terms of like their focus and their approach um just what they're there for i kind of thought that they just brought a bunch in maybe so they would compete with each other or something like that it's not really like that. That's becoming clearer to me. Um, They're kind of all touching a different part of the elephant, so to speak. And so Plug and Play Alberta, it does put its startups in front of investors, but its main focus is actually on creating partnerships with corporations and asking, starting by asking those corporations, what do you want an innovative solution for? Or what do you, what, what, what are you struggling with? What's your problem? And then Plug and Play goes out and recruits later stage startups and scale-ups that might have a solution in mind. So it's kind of like the other way around a bit. Um, And the best and most likely outcome of a batch is a pilot project with a group like TD Bank or WestJet or something that leads to to an ongoing customer relationship. What do you think of that approach? I think it's awesome. Um, I think similar to you, I... I definitely was like, what is going on with all these accelerators? And does somebody just bounce around from one to the other? And is mm-hmm. there like a lot of diminishing returns? Um, and I think for me personally, uh, is that I took kind of a lazy approach to figuring that out in that I didn't really dig much further than that. I just kind of was like, oh, this is what it is. And I was, you know, made my opinion. Um, and then uh, as, as you know, 
really from this podcast, as we started to dig into companies that were going through it, I think I started to realize and recognize the difference and the value that each bring. Um, I do like this approach that plug and play is bringing because I mean, you know, you need two things to make a business grow. You need customers and you need capital. And sometimes when you just have one and you don't have the other, it makes it really difficult. And I think more so it makes it difficult when you have capital, but no customers. And, you know, I know there's like a, all these matrices out there about what it takes to make an innovation ecosystem thrive. And one of those is big corporations because they have the ability to take a risk on a project or, or look at a different piece of the problem. And I think about what Amy was trying to do as an organization, and they're still doing, obviously, but they formed a lot of these corporate partnerships as well with like global companies like Mitsubishi and a bunch of other folks. And I like it because, I mean, not only does it help the startup, you know, get some validation, but also gives you something that you can use from a PR perspective, but then also potentially has the opportunity to bring you know, a satellite office or jobs to a location. And from an dev perspective and from what Alberta Innovates and all these folks are putting into these accelerators, maybe that's a spinoff opportunity as well. So um, I really like it. I think it, uh, yeah, just kind of turns the problem on its head a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Compared to the other accelerators, another thing that kind of differentiates Plug and Play Alberta in my mind now that I've looked more closely into it is they kind of deal with bigger fish all the way up to Trust Science, which is Evan Krapko's uh, AI-powered credit scoring company. This is a company that made the Report on Business um, list of Canada's top growing companies. It had 2,144% growth in three years in its revenues, um, which it says are between two and five million in that, in that publication. So like they're, they're not just starting out for sure. Uh, and that kind of made me surprised that they were in any kind of accelerator. But when I asked Plug and Play Alberta's uh, Kevin Dahl about that, he said that's the kind of that they're a good fit because they want to tap into an international network, and that's kind of what the Plug and Play apparatus is. They're they're in Alberta, but they're also in more than fifty other countries. And once you get into their Rolodex of fifty thousand startups, you're available to anybody who's looking for anybody who can solve that problem. So I don't know. What do you think of Trust Science getting in on an accelerator? Well, first of all, I think uh my research laziness is the trend in your our last couple topics because I didn't realize that Trust Science was Evan Krapko's company. Um and you know based on a presentation he gave to me, well not to me, to my class back in uh, 2001 in my business oh. 201 class, um, <laughs> I can see why they have 2000% growth over three years. Cause he is very, uh, energetic and, and interesting person. So that that's new to me, but I, I think it's actually great that they're in an accelerator because I think, I mean, we focused a lot for a long time on startups and it's really important to have a ton of startups in a ton of different areas. But then there's another problem sometimes with growing to that next phase and that next step. And if their focus for trust science is to become more international, then why not be part of a network or a program that can help you get to that? And I think, you know, speaking with um, uh, an angel investor, Arthi Sharma from Toronto, she is one of my advisors with Field Notes. And 
she was an early employee at Shopify, the company that she worked for got acquired by Shopify a long time ago. And so she was there during the IPO and all of that. And now she's left and she's she's investing in, in companies and in people. And one of the things that she said to me that's so interesting is like the idea of how big we actually think in Canada compared to our neighbors in the South, but then also how we're, even the people that do think really big, we're very quiet about it. Like we kind of do it just silently by ourselves and same thing from an investor standpoint. And so having companies like Trust Science participate in an accelerator and kind of state their ambition, so to speak, I think encourages more to do the same thing and it just elevates the game. And it, you know, we can, as a, as a, region start to think bigger individually about our companies and draw a little bit more attention. So I think it would be great to see even more companies of trust sciences level in accelerators, because I mean, every company needs help at some point to get to the next level, but it's cool to see companies that are already thinking about that next level and and they want to keep growing. Yeah. And almost any Canadian company might be a big fish here, but there are small fish in the world. So there's like lots of possibility there. The other Edmonton companies in the accelerator tend to be at earlier stages than Trust Science. So that probably on the smaller end would be Align VR, uh, a bootstrapped company using VR for HR, and uh, some pre-seed companies, Spontively, which makes community management software, Element 4, which makes battery-less sensors, and Swift Charge, which makes EV charging technology. Uh, any thoughts about those companies? I mean, I like all the companies, and I know we've we've dug into a few of these over the course of uh, of this year. But in general, what I like about a lot of these companies, which is why I think maybe accelerators make so much sense, is they all seem to be really focused in terms of the technology they're developing and the problem they're trying to solve, which means they probably don't have a ton of customers in one region, right? And you kind of do need to look at the global market if you're going to be a specialist in that particular field. So I really like the fact that there are these companies that are so narrowly focused um, looking at a more global accelerator. I think that's cool. I mean, spontively, I know, you know, they're from here and they started here, but they're now based in Tampa as well. And I think, again, you know, it's interesting to keep tabs on companies that start here and grow from here. It's kind of like that, mm-hmm. you know, universities, the alumni network is almost <laughs> more powerful when it, when it leaves the city. And I think same can be said for some uh, startups. So yeah, it, it's pretty cool to see all these companies thinking big. Yeah. Um, The other Edmonton companies that were involved in um, batch two were Drug Bank, which we've talked about before. They're at the seed stage and Aurora Hydrogen, which is actually raising a series A for its next generation of hydrogen production technology. So obviously, if you're in hydrogen, you need a lot more capital to even start than if you have a VR company, but it's it's an interesting range. And they were in among companies from all over North America and actually all over the world. So there's companies in this batch from Poland, Germany, the UK, New Zealand, the Netherlands, Finland, China, and Israel. That must make for some interesting cross-pollination, like beyond even having like alumni from Edmonton move elsewhere. Yeah, that's very cool. I I do. I wonder if there's any way that um, there's like, like think about all the data that must be produced from these accelerators in terms Mm -hmm. of like talent sharing, you know, potential partnerships, business development, all those things. I wonder if there's any way to track 
some of that and see what the findings are. Like I could imagine that a lot of these companies would end up being either strategic partners or customers to each other or something like that. Um, even from like a talent trading perspective or I don't know, I, I just feel like there there must be a lot of really interesting synergies. And I wonder if there's any way to like map that. Somehow. I think that's a really interesting point. And I was looking back at the, at the scale up gap um, announcement and kind of the metrics that mattered for them at that time was like number of jobs um, created here, which makes sense. It's a government funded thing. And, you know, a number of startups that get investment or something like that. And like there's numbers and like hard targets to hit. But I think some of that like deeper networky kind of, you don't even know how this is going to pay off until 10 years down the road. It does stuff is also valuable and worth keeping an eye on. Yeah. I mean, even in like such a tangential way. I wonder if there's even anything around here that could help people predict like, okay, is there an interesting university or post-secondary partnership that should happen among a certain region or industry? Or like, how could this potentially start to predict things around where we might need more flight paths or, or mm -hmm. just you know, things like that, that we might not have ever uh, thought about? So Plug and Play Alberta's second batch wrapped up. They do invite you to apply if you think you might be a big fit but unlike the rest of the accelerators they really go, they they pick you uh, <laughs> depending on whether you're a good fit for the corporate partners that they have on board but there's a bunch of other accelerators that are a little bit more application focused so Alberta Accelerator by 500 which is kind of focusing on strengthening the Calgary Edmonton um, corridor um, for tech innovation just close applications for its next next batch, which is going to be based in Edmonton this time. So we'll see who gets into that one. Uh, they'll start in January. The TELUS Community Safety and Wellness Accelerator had its demo day in mid-November, and applications are open for that cohort next cohort on until December 23rd. And we'll link to information about that as well as an upcoming info information session in the show notes. Alberta Catalyzer, which is the pre-accelerator run by Edmonton Unlimited and Platform Calgary, they kind of have a continuous intake because they have three different cohorts depending on how where you are in your development. They just announced uh, their latest Engage Stream, which is like their early early stage to help you get to minimum viable product. And applications just closed for the Thrive Canada 2 Accelerator Program, which is for seed to Series A's, A companies in agri-food tech. And their demo day for the next cohort will be in, in, in June. Uh, and then finally, the Alberta Innovates Revenue Accelerator by GrowthX is taking applications right now from rural tech founders for its next cohort. And uh, that one's a little bit different from the scale-up gap ones and that it's focused on sales instead of investment. And an interesting thing to, to remember about uh, that accelerator is their curriculum is actually on their website. So if, if, if you don't get into the accelerator or you don't want to go in the accelerator, but you want to learn how to sell stuff, you can just follow, like do some self-guided instruction there. So we will link to all that in the show notes. But I wanted to ask you about something that you mentioned kind of in passing last episode, because I've been thinking about this. 
you were wishing that there was an accelerator that was focused on consumer packaged goods because that's the business that you're in. Let's say I'm your fairy godmother and I can make it so. What would you want that accelerator to look like? And what, what would it do that these other ones don't do? Oh, Karen, you really just opened up a can of worms here. How uh -oh. long do we have? Um, <laughs> funny timing that you ask this because I was just at a round table this morning that Edmonton Global hosted on uh, food and agriculture. And it was a, kind of a follow-up to the Ford Slash Summit that they did uh, earlier this year, which I wasn't able to attend. But they've kind of done, the, they're doing these round tables, I guess, as part of their commitment to actually moving some of these priorities forward, knowing that a lot of industries take, you know, 10, if not 20 years to actually build and grow and that, you know, them acknowledging that it's a mix of public sector and private sector that need to work together on it. And so this topic is very fresh in my mind right now. And uh, it's funny, when I was there this morning, one of the things that was a bit disappointing is I didn't see a ton of private businesses there. And it's for a mix of reasons. I'm sure for a lot of them, they just didn't know about it. Um, or weren't clear on, on what the outcome was going to be. But also there's not that many young people in there. So a lot of people mm -hmm. that care about agri-food and about uh, consumer packaged goods are folks that kind of have been around the block a few times and know that that's a big gap for us. And, you know, we need younger people there because, I mean, again, industries take 10, 20 years to build. But what an accelerator I think could do is, you know, even if we focused some, like what I like about these accelerators right now is they are starting to pick some niches, but I do think there's a lot of overlap in the niches. And so when I look at consumer packaged goods, it's the same thing. We have a lot of CPG companies here, but if I was to focus just on value added agriculture as the subject matter, again, selfishly, you know, when I think about what it, what does it take to grow a business here in the food space? Well, first of all, you need to understand what we have available as raw goods, right? We have a ton of raw goods available that I don't think people understand. Yeah. So you need someone in the accelerator that's going to talk about ingredient availability or ingredient education, food science, how to turn that into a recipe. So I think there there could be something there around product, but more importantly, there could be something about actually scaling up. So manufacturing, branding, the sales cycle, which is very different in consumer packaged goods for food versus anywhere else, and then investors and buyers. So if I look at the models, if I was to take something like 500 Global, what they're doing, what the revenue accelerator doing is doing and what plug and play is doing and put that together for consumer packaged food goods, that would be amazing because not only would it help you figure out what your niche product is and get you investment ready, like I think 500 does a great job of, which is you know creating that focus, then it helps you get in with a few big customers which I think is what um, uh, plug and play does a good job of and scaling mm -hmm. kind of internationally. And then also working with the revenue accelerator model to figure out how do you actually sell to your customer? How do you keep that customer? And then adding on like a branding and marketing piece, because I don't think anybody covers branding and marketing. And that I think is super important no matter what industry you're in. Yeah. If something isn't packaged or positioned well, the customer's not going to know they need it or want it. So if, if you could make it so, that's what I would want is I would want something cohort based um, that's really focused on what we've got in the Prairie provinces. I wouldn't even limit it just to Alberta. I would say the Prairie mm -hmm. provinces because, you know, again, like we have the opportunity to feed the world from here and, and we're not taking that opportunity. So how can we push people into moving up the value chain 
um, in agriculture. And before I jump off my soapbox, I will say that, you know, I appreciate the metrics that the government has for a lot of their funding. And I saw a stat today that if so currently our export values for what we grow uh, versus what we export raw versus what we export in value add is one to one. Okay, so for every dollar of crop we grow, we sell a dollar of value added product. If we were to increase that to selling $2 of value added product for every dollar of crop we grow, we could add four and a half billion dollars to Alberta's revenue line. Uh-huh. And we could we could triple jobs in this province. So to me, if job creation, investment and revenue is like what the government's looking at, uh, I would say that those are some pretty good numbers there and, and they don't lie. And they've been like that for a long time. So yeah. um, if anybody if anybody listens to me about anything, <laughs> please let that be the thing that somebody listens to me about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, you've got your instructions. Uh, We'll put that out into the universe and and then we'll take a break uh, to hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, we'll round up some other innovation news. Bloom is brought to you by Edmonton Unlimited. Here's a message from our sponsor. Every solution starts with an idea. At Edmonton Unlimited, we're here to help you build that idea into a thriving business. We offer free foundational programs like Business Model 101 and Discover and Validate, where you'll learn the basics of entrepreneurship and how to map out each element of your business model. Then you'll be ready to understand where your customers are and how to validate and build out that idea. Along the way, you'll be connected with like-minded problem solvers and get hands-on support from experienced facilitators. Register today and start your entrepreneurial journey with our foundational programs and more at edmontonunlimited.com. This episode of Bloom is also brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Alberta Blue Cross understands that running a small business is tough, and they understand that business owners in Alberta are busy. Let Alberta Blue Cross give you peace of mind with a group benefit plan. They offer health, dental, life, and disability coverage for your employees. Alberta Blue Cross group benefit plans are easy to manage anywhere, anytime, and on any device, making it easy for you and your employees to access. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. So I feel like I say this every time, but they keep saying stuff. So Startup TNT is at it again. Uh, they, as we teased last week, they've now announced a whack of new investment summits for the first quarter of 2023. And applications are now open for the first ever Ag Tech Summit, the second Clean Tech Summit, and the second Life Sciences Summit. Um, so you can, it got until January 24th to apply for those. And then the pitch nights are in February and the finales are in on March 23rd. The Clean Tech one is going to happen here in Edmonton and the Life Sciences is one in Calgary and the egg tech one in Regina. So they, like you, are thinking that the, like food is a prairies wide thing, not just a, a Edmonton thing or a Alberta thing. Um, what do you think about adding egg tech to the mix? Yeah, I like it. Egg tech is tough because, um, first of all, it's. It, it, I mean, it's something we need to we need to think about. You know, but egg tech. I think one of the things that people need to think about a bit more is like who is the customer for that, and can the customer afford it? And, you know, somebody today at this roundtable said, 
the goal for our ag sector should be that our farmers should grow, should move from being price takers to price makers. Mm-hmm. And until they become price makers, they may not be able to afford the tech that could come out of this region. Um, but nonetheless, I think ag tech, I mean, that's going to be a problem, uh, a solution to a lot of problems around the world. And since the prairie provinces are very good at uh, growing things, uh, it seems fitting to me that we're solving we're using that as a way to, to identify and solve some problems in the tech space. And um, yeah, I think if Startup TNT is, is really for growing investors in this region, in the prairies, then having ag tech makes a ton of sense. Um, and I think, you know, we should kind of, they should own the brand on that, in, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. And a lot of ag tech is not only about um, maximizing food production, but it's also about, you um, responding to the, to the climate crisis like a lot of the, what's the the research at least that's going on that out there is to try to lessen the impact of agriculture while still like maximizing the yield of it so uh it's a good thing to get some money into yeah definitely Startup TNT's partner in the Clean Tech Summit is Foresight Canada, and they just released it, uh, their Foresight 50 list of Canada's most investable clean tech companies. And two of those 50 are from Edmonton. One is a company that we've had on the podcast before, Copperstone Technologies. They're, uh, you may recall, the robot as a service company that sends machines where humans can't go. And uh, Swift Charge popped up again. Uh, we mentioned them in the first half and here they are again. They've had a busy year uh, having gone through Alberta Accelerator by 500 and Plug and Play Alberta. And like they're doing so much that we just had to assign a story. So we've got one in the works that you'll be able to read at taprootedmonton.ca next week. Thoughts on those companies? Yeah, you know, I'm just always, uh, every time I hear the Copperstone Technologies, you know, uh, value prop, I'm always, again, amazed by it. Like, I don't know, just the fact that there's companies in our city that are willing to put the kind of like imagination, science and ambition out there to solve problems that feel like very, like very old problems, but also very futuristic at the same time. And then also very expensive to try and solve. I'm just always in awe of like, I don't even know how I would start building a robot, let alone robot as a service, uh, as a business model. So yeah, I just think, you know, we're we're doing big things here. And, um, you know, I hope that I'm excited to read the Swift Charge story because I want to kind of hear where they're going specifically. But I just think that we're we've got an abundance of very smart and very creative people uh, in in our city. And I think all these accelerators just keep bringing them to the surface. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I would say that I was quite impressed with Swift Charge's pitch at startup in, at that the investment summit six when they were in the the top five for that. Um, it, they just really had to have seemed to figure out what their opportunity is, and they're already bringing in revenue, even as they're kind of building out everything else, and including their brand. They used to be called Electronic Grid Systems, and now they're they're fully on their way to to being swift charge wherever they appear so back to your marketing question that's important too what do you call yeah yeah that's good yeah Uh, a lot of people are talking about uh, kind of a a tighter investment climate heading into 2023 
But that doesn't seem to be slowing down Startup TNT on the angel investor side. I also asked Kevin Dahl at Plug and Play Alberta about this, and he said he doesn't think it's winter yet among the venture capital firms uh, because they're sitting on money that they raised during those fatter days of earlier 2022, and they got to spend it. So I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think um, anytime there's a bit of a, a bit of pressure. So in this case, on the on investment on the investment climate, it just makes everybody up their game a little bit, right? So the investors have to be asking better questions. They have to be a bit more critical, which in turn makes the entrepreneurs think a little bit harder about what they're asking for and why and what they're going to do with it. You know, we always talk about the fact that in Canada we're a bit more humble about things. And I think that's changing, which is wonderful. But I also think it makes us maybe better to invest in because of the fact that we take those investments so seriously. And we're not just, you know, throwing out huge valuations and making big promises that we can't really keep. And I also think that's an opportunity for women. Yeah. You know, we, there's there's a lot of research that shows how little money is actually given to women. But the fact that when you invest in a female owned business, uh, the chances of success are significantly higher than uh, investing in a company that is owned just by men. And it's because of the mindset and the way that money is deployed and the way that things are thought through. So there's always somebody who's going to win from from a downturn. Um, and, you know, having things seem a little bit more difficult is actually going to make things easier for another group. So it just kind of mm-hmm. depends what camp you want to be in and um, and how you want to play the game. That's a really good point. And, and we'll link uh, to the 51 in our show notes as well, because that that's their thesis is that it's smart to invest in women because they don't BS about what they're <laughs> worth. So, <laughs> all right. We'll see uh, how all that turns out. And uh, you can watch for um, what it looks like in on taprudemton.ca or in the tech roundup, which you can sign up for on our website. Well, that's it for this week. If you haven't already, hit subscribe so you don't miss upcoming episodes of Bloom. And if you like this episode, share it with a friend. Bloom is produced by Taproot Edmonton with editing by Castria. Our music is by Dave Von Beeker and our cover art is by Vicky Wierczynski. Bye.